0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, it is that time of the week. We are already getting set for a preview here on the Ravens Vault. It is a primetime battle between the four and three Baltimore Ravens taking on the three and four Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ravens having to travel on the short week. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. Everybody's going to be watching. We've got the struggling Tom Brady. We've got the struggling Lamar Jackson in the Ravens offense. Both teams trying to click before the season gets away from them welcome into the raven's vault i am sarah ellison alongside my co-host and partner bobby trossett bobby we got a lot to get to in this episode
2: yeah we definitely do and first and foremost to your point right fire up those amazon subscriptions because that's the only way you're getting a chance to watch this one unfold of course al michaels and kirk herb will be on the call so it's a little bit of a different feel for thursday night and my gosh i hope it's a different feel because sarah as we both know We try to watch as much Thursday night football as we can. Typically, I'm editing the podcast, so I have it on in the background at that time. There's been a few clunkers. I'm just hoping that this doesn't go in that same direction as well, because it's been ugly football on Thursday night so far in 2022.
1: Well, and I feel like the NFL, right? They're just like excluding what 65 and up year olds I mean I know John Harbaugh joked that his parents might not be able to watch the game for the first time and how many games here not everybody has the Amazon Prime and moving away from the cable network so we'll see we'll see how that goes but if it's another clunker then good for them they get to save themselves
2: we have to play this before we go any further because our good friend at the Baltimore Sun Jonas Schaefer had some fun with uh, with John Harbaugh at his Tuesday podium session here's the experience on a,
3: kind of a silly question, but first, you guys first came on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> you, your parents are the, the more technically, technologically challenged <laughs> people in your life and you want to watch
4: that? I have, yeah, there's uh, i I'm not sure my parents are going to be seeing the game for the first time in 15 years. Uh, hopefully they will. They've got instructions, um, they've got good internet, so hopefully they'll see it. Good. It's
2: You're baiting me there, man. Right there. I'm not taking the bait on that one. Are your parents ready to go? Are they going to be watching this thing?
1: You know, that's a good question. So, I have four siblings. My dad just turned 86, my mom is 77. Uh, anything technical they have going on over there, I've got four siblings that, that hook them up. I know they have Netflix. Uh, and I also know that they have good old cable, but I don't think they're up on Amazon Prime yet. So you better believe mom will be listening to our instant reaction after the game.
2: Hey, mom. Hey, mom. I, I know my, the <laughs> Mrs. Trossett. She is in good shape. No question. Pops, on the other hand, uh, I think really he just has to thank his girlfriend because there's no chance he's getting that up and running without her. But anyway, again, it is Amazon Prime. Primetime kickoff, Thursday night, Ravens and Bucks. We have a conversation coming up for the Tampa Bay perspective in just a few short minutes from now with Greg Allman from The Athletic, essentially Jeff Zarebeck's counterpart, who you often hear us mention here on the podcast from time to time. But hey, partner, before we dive into that conversation, I just kind of wanted to share with our audience and remind them that we have a new feature uh, that we plan on offering for our vaulters, for our vault listeners, in terms of post-game broadcasts. So recently, in early September to be exact, we launched our our YouTube version of the Ravens Vault podcast. And what we started doing after the Ravens-Browns game was actually offering you on-camera post-game, live stream, instant reactions. It's just another way for us to engage and interact with you. And uh, we really hope and, and plan on expanding on YouTube in the coming weeks, months, and hopefully years as a partnership. So again, from here on out, you can expect instant reaction, episodes in audio only form along with some post-game instant reaction live streams on YouTube. So if you haven't yet checked it out on on our YouTube page, please consider subscribing. It allows us to continue bringing you this kind of content on a daily basis. And I know we're both pretty fired up about it and this audience that we've cultivated in such a short time. Super grateful.
1: Definitely grateful. And that one we just kind of did off the cuff. We thought we said, you know, it was like two days or three days before the game. We were like, should we do this? And we're like, let's give it a try. And it, was, I thought it turned out great. I thought it was a lot of fun. So, all right, let's get into the meat of this. Let's get into the meat of this preview of Raven's Bucks. Let's start with the heavy <laughs> hitter of Greg uh, Amon over at The Athletic, as you said. I got to tell you, Greg, I had never met before. When we interviewed him. He had his video camera on and everything. He reminded me so much of Jeff's rebook, <laughs> just so much. They both kind of have, you know, the bald head going on thing there, but they're also just like their de- demeanor. Bobby, uh, just like, you know, just nice guys, very smart, very detailed. Um, just, just a great interview. I think, I think fans should enjoy this, and they'll get a good peek into this upcoming opponent Thursday night. So let's jump into that.
2: All right, Greg. So funny question to ask just based on his storied career. But at this point in what's been a very underwhelming, um, frustrating season for Bucks fans,
5: how much of their struggles so far should be pointed to Tom Brady when it comes to blame? Yeah, he's definitely part of it. It's one of those where, you know, I think because the offensive line hasn't given him a whole lot of confidence – He's getting rid of the ball really quickly. I mean, the, the downfield passing game is not really part of this offense at all. They're not good on third down. They're not good in the red zone. They're not good in short yardage. Uh, so you have an offense that was really, you know, one of the best in football the last two years, averaging 30 points a game, and they've, they've scored more than 21 once, and they scored three on Sunday. So, yeah, the offense is – Uh, every part of it is struggling, but Brady's certainly part of it.
1: What's the biggest surprise to you? I mean, from the outside looking in, obviously their record and how the offense is performing. So from like your preseason expectations, what's been the biggest surprise in your mind about this team?
5: Um, Just just the overall just ineptitude on offense. I mean, this is a team that hasn't scored a touchdown the first quarter yet this year. You know, they've had injuries at receiver that have complicated things and they knew they'd have some new starters on the offensive line. So there were like question marks and vulnerabilities going in. Uh, But I mean, Tom Brady has eight touchdowns in seven games. I mean, that's pretty much the worst stretch as far as that's concerned in his career. So, I mean, he he only has one interception, which is commendable. And they have the best sack percentage in the NFL. But right now it it feels like they're they're trying to avoid negative things so much so that they've forgotten that they need positive things to win. Um, The defense has kind of been able to keep things close for a half. But if you got Carolina pulling away from me in the second half the week that they trade Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson, you're going to have problems when Lamar Jackson comes to
2: town. That's so I was going next, Greg. What is going on with this run defense, and is there a level of concern about Lamar? And being that Gus Edwards is back, he may be on a pitch count coming off that torn ACL and being that he's just got one regular season game under his belt. But uh, what's the conversation over there right now?
5: Yeah, I mean, they haven't had Akeem Hicks since week two, and that's a big part of the problem. I mean, they they let Indomitian into go on sign and they they kind of had a solution with Akeem Hicks, but he hurt his foot and, and he's missed five games. Uh, he's back at practice yesterday, but I don't know if that means he's playing Thursday. Uh, Carolina rushed for 139 in the second half on Sunday. And I mean, that's not nearly, that's nothing against Deontay Foreman and, and Chuba Hubbard, but uh, this is a real rushing attack here. So it's kind of like the strengths of what Baltimore does go directly up against some of the real weak spots. Uh, for this Bucks defense, I mean, I think they've they've been the stronger side of this team. They're still technically a top ten defense in, in yards and points allowed and things like that, but uh, they've struggled in third and long, terribly so. Uh, they've definitely worn down in the second half. I think the offense keeps throwing them out of the field, and then they're just getting tired. Um, their secondary, like last year, is dealing with a ton of injuries. They're probably not going to have Antoine Winfield on Thursday, which is bad. Uh, they want to have Logan Ryan, who's probably the best communicator in terms of trying to get some of these assignment issues solved. Uh, and they might be without Carlton Davis, who's their best cover corner. So um, down three DBs and a key D lineman is is not the way you want to go into this short week. Um, but there's an urgency. I mean, this is a team that amazingly is still in first place in the NFC South at three and four. But they kind of need to have a a win they're not supposed to get to make up for some of these losses they weren't supposed to get.
1: Sounds a lot like the Ravens where you get... Frustrated on Sunday, but then you look up at the division. You're like, oh, "Okay, we're we're still in this. That gives us hope." Right. Um, how how has the transition been from Bruce Arians to Todd? And why did for for Ravens fans that don't follow, why did Arians step down?
5: Yeah, you got different theories on that. I and mean, Bruce will tell you that he he thought they had a great team and and knew he wanted to hand things over to Todd Bowles. Uh, he and Todd have worked together. He coached Bowles at Temple 37 years ago, uh, so they've worked together for a long yeah. time. Um, Had really wanted to be able to handpick his successor and felt at the time it seemed like a nice thing to do to give him a team with Tom Brady, a quarterback, as opposed to waiting a year until Brady retires and and giving him a team that's less likely to set him up for success. So, um, you know, this is one of those where, you know, for Arians, he's still around, which is a little strange. Um, He's a regular at practice. He's a consultant to the front office and the coaching staff. Uh, So still kind of has a voice and has an input on this team. Uh, the biggest difference with Bowles is that, obviously, Arians was very much a blunt, honest, open criticism guy in terms of calling guys out in the media. And that's not Todd Bowles. He, he's been a lot more positive, a lot more um, forgiving publicly in terms of not calling players out. Um, so now you have these situations where, obviously, a lot of players could get called out after the two losses they've had in the last two weeks. And I think fans are used to to having Bruce uh, going well past the expletives to explain what's going wrong.
2: Sure would have been interesting to hear Bruce's take on sort of Tom's decision to go to Robert Kraft's wedding because when when Todd was asked about it, he certainly downplayed that and if it had any effect last week. I'm fascinated by this, Greg, and I really want your perspective on it because from the outside looking in, I just wonder where the locker room temperature is regarding the goat, like the the undisputed goat, but the fact that the training camp hiatus, the wedding, everything that's going on away from the field right now—is he all in? And do his peers and teammates feel that he is?
5: Yeah, it's it's a weird deal. I mean, obviously, it's one of those where if you're a franchise like the Bucs that that's had so little success in their history before Brady got here, uh, I think you know you're, you're probably okay taking conditions on his return if it means he comes out of retirement and gives you another year. But he's kind of pushing that, if you will, um, having 11 days off during training camp. Um, you know, they come out of the gates 2-0, and, and you're like, oh, maybe that's not a big thing. Maybe that really wasn't a huge thing for him to miss. The the wedding, he missed a Saturday walkthrough, so I don't know that it was um, anything that directly led to problems in that game in Pittsburgh, but it's just not a good look. Uh, if You know, Brady's been a guy whose whole career, every practice matters, every snap of every practice matters. So to go from that to two things that at least publicly raise the questions of, of how committed he is or, or how focused he is on football um, To a man, everybody we've talked to in this locker room with his coaches and players has has still spoken very highly about Brady, his commitment level, all those kind of things. But again, with each passing week and each loss, you wonder how that's deteriorating and, and whether he's at risk of kind of losing this locker room. This is something where he's so synonymous with success. His two years here were a Super Bowl and a division title. Uh, so for them to be three and four, potentially three and five in a couple days is a different storyline and, and something he himself hasn't dealt with very much.
1: Greg, do you feel like it was the right decision for him to unretire? And even though he is showing all the signs that he's committed, do you feel like he kind of looks back and was like, why did I do this? Why did I unretire?
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is he did come back to be three and four and, and to be struggling right. and, and throwing a touchdown a game and, and dealing with the issues off the field he's dealing with. I, I don't know if he had retired, if he'd still have these off-field issues he's dealing with, um, you know, he had been before these two losses here had, had kind of started been getting back a little looser in terms of his demeanor. Uh, what we see of him in pressers at practice, this this whole team is is pretty tight-lipped, pretty just just struggling. You get a locker room that that's spiraling like this; it's really hard to see guys even cracking jokes. Everything is just focused on what's wrong and how they can fix it and those kind of things. So it's not a fun place to be. Um, again, I think this is is something where Brady's seasons their success is measured in January and February and the success you have there. So the, the more more important thing right now is just they get there. If they get in the playoffs, they're going to be healthier than than they are now. They're going to be better than than they are now. It's just right now there's an honest question of whether they get to the playoffs playing the way they are. They they need to get guys healthy. And they really need to start doing a lot of fundamental things better if they're going to be a playoff
2: team. We wanted to be sure to check in on former Raven and, and fan favorite, too, up here. Uh, Ryan Jensen, who went down in training camp, uh, you know, Buccaneer Center, who has great rapport with Brady and, and is obviously super, super talented. How much has the team missed him? And then the, the, the part two of this is, do we have a JPP Jason Pierre
5: Paul revenge game in store for us this weekend? You're definitely not going to have uh, – it's funny. It's like to see JPP come back, that's another tough decision where they let somebody go, and they're third in the NFL in sacks, so you'd say, okay, that worked out all right. But just from a leadership and from a toughness standpoint, that that's where they probably missed Jason Pierre-Paul uh, as somebody who demanded a lot more of his teammates, um, not only in terms of matching his energy level, but but production. The the Jensen – I mean, Ryan Jensen's absolutely beloved here in Tampa, and when you think about the offensive line issues they have – this is the absolute worst scenario, what people feared when he went down with a knee injury on the second day of training camp. Um, there's just not the same toughness there. This, this was probably the best offensive line in the NFL last year in terms of protecting Brady, limiting his sacks. And you really can't say that now. They've only given up nine sacks, so they're doing well uh, from a numeric standpoint. But I think there's a, a certain hesitancy and fear in Brady where he's getting rid of the ball a lot quicker. He's not holding up back there waiting for deep balls. Um, and some of that's just that the left guard, and the center are brand new and don't inspire a lot of confidence right now. So I, I don't know if Ryan's going to make it back this year. He very much wants to. Uh, my understanding has always been that if he did, that there's a slim chance he comes back. And if he did, it would literally be in the playoffs. So they're missing him, and I don't know that they're getting him back in time to really make a, a difference and a help on this year's team.
1: Well, Greg can relate. I feel like it's taken until this year when the Ravens got a first-round center that they finally found some stability since Ryan Jensen left. He called himself the Mosquito. He mosquito. just loved to annoy people. It was just we we definitely miss him. So we we get where you're coming from, where Bucks fans are coming from. Uh, changing gears a little bit, sounds like the NFL is going to be reviewing that exchange with the referees getting autographs from from Mike Evans. What what do you make of that whole situation?
5: Yeah, and I don't think Mike's in any trouble at all. Mike's just kind of being a, a gracious football star. But, uh, yeah, it's not a good yeah. look. I mean, NFL officials, again, they're supposed to be objective observers. They're not allowed to ask for autographs or selfies or anything else like that. Um, and we'd encountered that a little bit with Brady just because the, there's the star factor of Brady being Brady. But to see two officials asking for, certainly looking like, asking for an autograph coming off the field, still in uniform, still on camera. Um, that, that's that's crossing a line they're not supposed to cross. So I I don't know I'm I'm not up on my officiating sanctions uh, <laughs> to to know whether that's a fine or a you know just a, a harsh letter of reprimand. But it's just not a good look. There again, journalists are the same way. We're around these guys all the time. Uh, there's people like oh, what if it's a letter you know a signature for his sick son in the hospital? It, it doesn't matter. You you don't get to be in that uniform and ask a player for a favor or an autograph or a selfie. And they know that. It, it's just fairly indispensable They just got caught on camera. It's, it's a disappointing thing. But not really anything that impacts the Bucs.
2: Not only was Mike being gracious just in general, but this is coming after a blowout loss, minutes after a right. blowout loss. like So that's that's really telling and it speaks to his character.
5: Right. A blowout loss in which he dropped the easiest touchdown of his career on the third <laughs> play of the game. And Mike literally like said he, he kind of went into a – a hole for like a quarter and what couldn't even process how badly he'd hurt his team by dropping that and they Watch. score three at carolina and these guys said hey mike yeah, you got a minute for an autograph yeah like <laughs> mike's about as nice as they come and i think that's like exhibit a for how he wouldn't turn down an autograph request under just about any circumstance but yeah read the room a little bit there
2: i'm no kidding <laughs> yeah so but before we get your game prediction and get you out of here greg uh aside from Winfield and aside from Ryan what is the overall health of this this Bucks team looking like on a short turnaround and then one specific matchup you'll be looking for
5: yeah it's uh it's not looking good again it's like they had five guys out on Sunday and then they lost Winfield um their left guard Luke getttai has a foot issue where he he didn't practice yesterday that, that could just be a a short week kind of thing but no they're, they're still hurting their secondary is, is definitely hurting you you could be down Carlton Davis, who's a starting corner, Sean Murphy Bunting, who would replace him as a starting corner, Logan ne- Logan Ryan and Antoine Winfield. So that's four of their top six DBs. They might be down offensively. They could get Cam Braid back. He's coming back off a sprained neck, but even if he did, he'd kind of be limited that way. Uh, they're they're still fairly injured right now. That's going to be a problem in terms of matchups. You know, you go back. Um, they faced Lamar in eighteen, and Lamar I think they won twenty to twelve. Lamar ran for ninety five. Threw for only 131. No one's thrown for that little and beaten the Bucks since then. Uh, but you definitely saw the, the dual threat aspect there. So I, I feel like this is a linebacker game. Um, Devin White and Levante David uh, definitely are kind of the, the front uh, that, in terms of guys that have to account for Lamar on every play, have to make sure he doesn't get loose for a 30-yard scramble. That's on them. Um, and they have the speed to keep up with him, but they have to make sure they're in the right place. So... Just a crucial game. Those are two guys that probably have disappointed since the first week of the season. Not a lot of splash plays, capable of being much more impactful players than they've been. So, yeah, to see Lamar Jackson and to see how well they're going to have to contain him both, especially in the run, but uh, that that's a big challenge for a defensive front that struggled against far lesser quarterbacks here in the last two weeks.
1: All right, so so this is it. we got two teams not playing their best, still finding a way to click. They're both going to be on short weeks. What is your game prediction for this Thursday night matchup and a score if you have one?
5: Yeah, w- once they've struggled the way they have the last two weeks, it's really hard to pick a Bucks win here. Um, I-, I think it'll be closer. I don't think we're looking at a 21-3 to game, but I think right now the Ravens win. I, I think it's like 31-24, 31-21, something like that. Um, I-, I think the Bucks will kind of start getting back in the right direction, but maybe not enough to win the game on Thursday. Hey,
2: Greg, trust us. The Ravens do not blow out teams in the year that is 2022. Right. <laughs>
1: They they might be up they might be at by 14 going into the fourth quarter but then it's all it's all up for grabs from there.
5: <laughs> Anything will be better than uh, than 21-3 I think for these fans so we'll see.
1: All right so a big thanks to Greg for coming on the show like I said he was he was a great interview there. He's just exactly right. it's so funny to me he doesn't have any confidence to be able to pay, pick the bucks. Uh, we'll have our predictions coming up. I mean I don't have great confidence either way. I've literally been going back and forth all day on on who to pick but um you know I asked him what his biggest surprise was and he Bobby talked about the offense that it's just not moving and you know it is it is crazy like to think that this Tom Brady led offense, is averaging, I think, just about 20 points per game. And, like, they're they're not good on so... Like, they're not... Their deep passing game is missing. Their running game isn't doing anything good. Their offensive line has had, like, complete turnover in the interior. Third downs, they're not doing well. Red zone, they're not doing well. Like, nothing is clicking for that offense. And it just, like, it gets me... It gets me excited that maybe the Ravens can just really take advantage. But I'm still nervous because... The Ravens aren't, you know, earning much trust over here either. So it's just funny that both sides don't have a, conf- have a lot of confidence in the team that they're covering.
2: You know, Sarah, at the epicenter of everything for Tampa Bay, nationally speaking, is their 45-year-old quarterback who, if you ask me from the outside looking in, not only comes across as disengaged at this point in the season but also just exhausted. And I think this little clip from his Tuesday media availability kind of backs that up. Listen to this.
3: What's been the most challenging part of the last 48 hours? Uh, you know, it's just dealing with a tough loss and then turning it around. That's always a challenge for everyone. And yeah, just trying to obviously turn the page so we can focus on the next opponent. So I think we try to do a good job of that. And it gets up on you quick. It's already basically in our, even though it's a Tuesday, Afternoon, it's like a Friday afternoon and it's quick turnaround, but look, every team deals with it. Every team has a Thursday night game, or I think most teams have a Thursday night game. So they're dealing with exactly what we're dealing with. And um, their bodies are feeling the same way as they're feeling and they have the same amount of prep. So it'll be a good competitive game Thursday night.
2: So again, we did hear from Greg on on this front when it comes to Tom and the locker room and how the training camp hiatus over the summer played out in the locker room and how the recent attendance for Robert Kraft's wedding played out in the locker room. And Greg kind of downplayed those things. But all I'm saying is, I don't want to speculate, all I'm saying is that he just seems and looks and sounds exhausted, Sarah. Can you relate?
1: Ha, Bobby's referring to me talking about being exhausted the last couple of days. So yes, I can relate, but at least I don't have, at least I don't have linebackers and defensive linemen hitting me, you know, every two seconds. So yeah, I could, I could have used a longer week this week too. So I, I can relate, but here's the thing I would say about it, about it, Bobby, he definitely sounds exhausted, but so do the Ravens when you listen to them. And in fact, you know, I posted on Twitter yesterday when Lamar Jackson was asked about his hip, Um, we talked about it in the morning vault. And I took video of it because I thought it was playful and fun and Lamar smiled at the end of it and this and that. So to me, I'm like, you know, I put out a tweet that said, Lamar was asked about his hip. He didn't just, you know, tell us how he felt. He showed us because, you know, he wiggled his hips like it was like a Shakira kind of move and, and he was playing around and being funny. And I posted that and all Ravens fans were like, he looks miserable. He looks exhausted. He looks like he doesn't want to be in Baltimore and kind of saying it, but in a different way, the same, the same thing you're saying about Brady. I don't buy in that Brady doesn't want to be there. Brady's been doing this for 23 years. I don't think he's disengaged. I do think he's all in. He obviously has stuff going on in his personal life. He all, he obviously hates losing and he's obviously exhausted because the Ravens are too. And I am too. And it's a short week and that's just how how football is. So, yeah, he's exhausted. Lamar's exhausted. So I'm not going to read any more into that other than this is a short week and both their offenses aren't clicking the way they both know that it could.
2: May the best man win on a short week, right? As Tom said, every team has to deal with this, and both of these teams right now. Now, do the Ravens have to travel down to Tampa Bay, and, and and Tom and the Bucks don't? Sure. But... They're both dealing with the same time parameter. So that's not all he had to say, though. Remember earlier in the offseason, this past offseason, I should say, he retired from football and then eventually unretired. And we all know what's transpired since. But on the day that he did retire, he put up an Instagram post. And in that post, he commented to Lamar Jackson saying, you're next, almost as if to pass the torch to number eight and of course that made its rounds through social media as you would imagine but today again we're taping this on Tuesday leading into the Thursday night game he was asked about Lamar and here's what he had to say
3: he's an amazing player and he challenges defense he's uh has really unique skill set uh, his ability to you know improvise make plays with his legs extend in and uh you know they do a good job with that offense so they have a good defense they run the ball extremely well He's obviously very dangerous with the ball in his hands, and they've got some weapons too. So it's a tough challenge for our defense. We're going to have to play a real uh, complimentary game, play tough, hard-nosed football, and try to get a win.
1: What, what compelled you to, to say to him you're next?
3: I just think very highly of him. You know, I think he's a, he's got a great future.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: And Lamar's
4: response? Yeah, I've seen it. Um, I was saying, hopefully I'm next to win the Super Bowl. You know, you got seven of them, so hopefully that's what I'm next to. That's what I was hoping. Does that mean something to you when when somebody you know, who has achieved that much kind of shows that respect to you? Of course. Of course. I'm Hall of Fame quarterback. Like I said, the goal, of course, it means a lot.
1: I like that exchange. I like the respect that Tom Brady has shown Lamar. And this really, like, propels me into some thoughts I was having Bobby that, you know, sometimes we'll talk about this offline. And so this, I'm just going to kind of like talk to you as if we were offline. Right. So, so I was thinking about this today. Lamar, I think Tom Brady's right. I think that Lamar Jackson could be next. And I interpret it the way that Lamar did in the way many of us did, which is that I think he's saying one of the one of the next greats, maybe one of the next Super Bowl winners. And as as Lamar said, he hopes that he mean it means that he's going to be the next one to win the Super Bowl. So as I was thinking today, I was like, okay, we're heading into week eight, and the Ravens' offense keeps getting healthier. I think the only outstanding outstanding injury now is is Dobbins, who went back to get that surgery. So. You know, and, and then there's Rashad Bateman who doesn't have a serious injury, but it's been in and out. We'll talk about injuries as we go, and we'll see. I, I, I don't know what his status is for Thursday. So, but for the most part, this offense is healthy. And, and and so my question is, is if you're Steve Busciotti and Eric DaCosta, and you put out what what was, in your estimation, a contract that you're most comfortable with, And you didn't come to an agreement with your quarterback. So then you kind of have to ask yourself, what do I need to see this offseason to meet whatever Lamar's expectation is in in a contract? And to me, I want to make sure that if I'm not going to raise my offer, I want to make sure I'm not losing a quarterback that goes on and lights the world on fire. So in order for me to make sure of this and I've never been a fire Greg Roman kind of person but if I need to make sure of this I might need to see Lamar with a healthy cast which he's now getting with perhaps a different play caller Now again I'm not calling I think that Greg Roman has is the architect of a is of of the best running offenses that we see today. But sometimes I do wonder about his play calling sequence and his gut in there. And I'm just wondering, Bobby, at what point if you're, you know, Eric DeCosta or Steve Bashotti, and they're not going to tell John Harbaugh to change the play caller, but if you're John Harbaugh and you feel like, okay, now we're healthy. Like last year, I could be like, ah, I really can't throw Greg under the bus because nobody's healthy. And now though, we're, we're just so far removed from 2019 and we get this healthy, how many more weeks would I personally be like, okay, you know what? I might, try with, I might try a different play color because I'm now in the final year of my rookie sensation quarterback, and I need to make sure that we're not succeeding or being this big explosive offense. I have to make sure it's not him. Now, my inclination is that it's not Lamar. So if it's not, I've got to make sure of that and see if some sort of jolt changes all this. So I'm talking off the top of my head here, Bobby, but I'm hoping you see where I'm going. Like, how do you feel about this? Like, the the offense feels stuck in neutral. How much patience do you have? Like, I'm willing to see what it looks like with Deshaun Jackson. I'm willing to see, you know, with him and Rashad Bateman back. But to me... We're a couple weeks out from me being like, okay, I have to make a drastic change to see, to see this before I go into another off season of contract negotiations.
2: I think it's a super fair way of putting it. In other words, Greg's seat is starting to get a little warmer week in and week out. I think that's probably fair to say. So yeah, uh, my patience hasn't quite thinned yet solely because of, we know Greg's bread and butter is the rushing attack and RPOs mm-hmm. and, and everything that, that Lamar's offense has become over his four plus seasons in Baltimore. And with Gus now back now, when I say back, that might be uh, relative a little bit here because of a potential pitch count that's in play. I mean, that said he was thrust right into the starting role Sunday against Cleveland while he finished with 16 carries. So Maybe that. Who knows? We'll have to see how they ease him back in. Even though that wasn't really easing him back in in a lot of ways compared to what how they handled J.K. Dobbins and and other players um, that, that have come back from significant injuries. But until the running back room is at full strength, which gosh, at the same time I say that, <laughs> when is that going to be? Because Dobbins is out for at least a month, four to six weeks, with the arthroscopic knee surgery that he underwent within the last couple days, I believe we haven't gotten confirmation on that yet. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you, Sarah. I think his, his seat is getting warmer, but can we, can we agree on the fact that he still deserves time with, Gus trying to get his legs from underneath him to try and get this thing right and, and get this ship turned in the right direction.
1: Yeah. I, that's why I said I'm, I'm willing and listen, I'm not proposing that he'd be fired. Even when I talk about a change, because I still think he could be the architect, but there could be a different play caller. And there have been other teams that have done that, right. Where you just changed the play caller. So, um, because I, I do, because I don't think this team is built the, the, the team isn't built to suddenly change into a non-run-first, pounding ground team. That's just not the way the Ravens are built. Especially when Rajad Bateman's foot isn't hurting, like they just don't have—they just don't have that team. So I'm not saying to get them. I- I'm just looking for a, a, a jolt that kind of, you know. Shakes things up a little bit, so 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 I, I don't know, I, maybe revisit during the bye week, I guess that's where I'm at, not saying for sure, I'm giving him till the bye week, but around there because then you're starting to get after the bye week you're week eleven and and so, I don't know, I just you're searching I, for again, a spark. I, I, I'm searching for a spark and and perhaps Greg Rowan becomes the sacrificial lamb because I do think that it's overstated. About how poor he's been, he has opened up the vault. He, the offense was clicking; um, it was doing doing really well. And everybody knows you go through ebbs and flows. So you know, I, I'm sure there's people listening to this who are like, "Oh, his seat's more than warm." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there there's some people listening that's like, "Oh, my patient's been gone for more than a year," you know. So, but but for me, before I couldn't even consider it because I felt like it would be so unfair based off the injuries last year and there was weird COVID stuff in 2020 and it was only and you, Greg, we had just been the offensive or the, yeah, I think the offensive coach of the year or something like that. Um, so, but, but now I'm like, all right, well, you're starting to get the weapons back. And so I'm willing to wait till the weapons are healthy. And I'm, and so that's why I've got a couple of weeks in me, but, but it can't be too long because we're, we're starting to hit the middle middle of the season, and then before we know it, we're we're there towards the end of the season. So if something's going to change, it's going to have to happen within the the next three to five weeks, in my view.
2: The the weapons are starting to come back, but at the same time, it's kind of like there's still a hitch in the giddy-up, right? Rashad's missing practices, missing games with the sprain, the the lingering foot sprain. Dobbins is out until the winter months. Who knows? I mean, at this point... If I were the training staff, I'd just be like, hey, let's make a a push to the postseason and make sure Dobbins is ready to go by January. Now, it's assuming that they're going to go on a run here and even be eligible for postseason play. But you get what you get my point. So like the horses are coming back. But at the same time, he's he's still dealing with, you know, kind of um, a a B cast here because of some of these significant injuries.
1: I mean, yes and no. I mean. Yes and no. It's at this point, J.K. Dobbins and Rashad Bateman. Which I guess, I guess, I guess I just have like the whole 2021 season where I'm like, (laughs) they've lost everybody. So I'm like, well, now it's just your number one wide receiver and just your number one running back, you know? So so that's why I'm saying I'm not coming down hard at him. I'm just saying, what's the jolt then? Is it, is it, because J.K. isn't coming back until, maybe right right before the playoffs. So what's the jolt? Is the jolt that we wait for for Rashad Bateman to be 100% healthy? Like what is the jolt? What what is it? Are we just waiting for those two guys to get healthy because I don't again, I'm just looking at it from a Ravens perspective of like this is it this is the last of it on the rookie contract with Lamar Jackson. And I need to fi- I need to find some things out. And 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 if you keep this Everything, Unless you already know exactly what you want and where your line is drawn in the sand and, and all of that. But the Ravens, if they tag him, it's going to be so much more expensive next year. And I just don't think that the ro- the roster is going to be as good. And so to me, I'm starting to feel the season closing in, I guess. Uh, and so, again, this isn't me trashing Greg Roman. I, if, if it's not that that makes the jolt, what's the jolt, Bobby? What is it?
2: Yeah, no, you bring up some compelling points there. I don't know if there's a concrete answer to this, but one thing that sounds like we both agree on is that Greg's seat is warm. And I think one thing that we can definitely agree on is that his quarterback and his offense need to be more efficient in the red zone. And that's something that John Harbaugh spoke about this week.
4: It gets tougher in the red zone. The field's smaller. You know, the passing lanes are tighter. You've got to be execution. And we talk about it on both sides of the ball. Things happen faster on offense and they happen faster on defense. So it's just a matter of getting, getting in there and getting getting the job done, whether it's connecting on a pass or, or, or hitting a run. I mean, everybody wants to run the ball in the red zone. That's the best way to do it. And I talk to our defense, you know, we don't want to allow that either. So uh, it turn, It comes down to execution at the end of the day in, t- in terms of scoring touchdowns. We've got playmakers. Lamar, I think, I really believe Lamar Jackson is, is one of the very best red zone quarterbacks, you know, in his career so far. He's been able to extend plays, make plays, find ways to make plays different ways. So we've got that going for us. So I'm confident we'll get that going.
2: So, Sarah, what's interesting, too, is I have some numbers in front of me. And these statistics back up what Harves is suggesting, that Lamar is one of the best out there. He's a top five quarterback through seven weeks of football, statistically speaking, in the red zone. 19 of 35. A completion percentage of 54.3 139 yards uh, 10 touchdowns he did he does have an interception obviously he's been sacked once Uh, but so the numbers and I keep going on there's the, the rushing categories there and some some other rows as well but the big takeaway here is that it's much more than just Lamar whether it's fumbling right whether it's untimely penalties whether it's game management, clock management, all of those categories haven't been nearly consistent enough inside the 20.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Ravens rank right now in red zone offense, number 12 in the league. Um, And I do feel like with, with Gus Edwards back, the Ravens have another element where they're on the one yard line and a team has to take that threat seriously. And so, um, you know, I felt like the Ravens had big improvement, um, you know, in, in short yardage situations, third and short, fourth and short, and then they're in the red zone. So I'm hoping Gus bus helps with that, but yeah, they need to continue there, but I'm more concerned. And Harbaugh quickly alluded to this. I'm more concerned about the red zone defense for the Ravens. They're ranked 26th there. Like, it just seems like, it just seems like if the opposing team makes it to the red zone, you're, you're just living on a prayer at that point. And um, they're giving up a touchdown 65 percent of the time when when the opposing team gets into the the end zone. Now the good news is the Bucks are even worse. <laughs> their their red zone defense is um, 31st in the league, so they're giving up a touchdown 76 percent of the time once you get in the red zone. So if there is a time for Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman and all those guys to start clicking in the red zone, it's this week because the Bucks. The Bucks red zone defense has been terrible. Bobby, one thing we had talked about with with Greg Amon was um the the impact that the Bucks have felt with Ryan Jensen going down. That's been a huge loss for them. And I had mentioned to Greg that it has felt like really since Greg or excuse me, Ryan Jensen left way back in 2018, that it never feels like it felt like the Ravens had stability at the center position. It always seemed like somebody new was in. So finally the Ravens go ahead and decide, all right, we're going to spend a first rounder. We've got two first rounders. Let's do it on Linderbaum, which everybody was upset about because whatever the notion is, is that you don't have as much value in a center in the first round, but my goodness, the Ravens have obviously spent some first-round talent on wide receivers as of as of late. And th- right now, Linderbaum just looks like he's on the right trajectory. He's been very, very good. That doesn't mean he's been without his problems. Uh, we all remember that's how the uh, Ravens ended up losing uh, against the Giants was a, a bad snap, an early snap with a silent cadence. So obviously he's had to work on that. But for the most part, his snaps have been good. He's been great in rushing blocks and pass protection blocks he's been good all around and Harbo was asked about him uh Tuesday at podium
4: he told me after week four we were talking about a couple of things he said hey it's only my fourth game I'm going to keep getting better and I believed him and it's been true uh, he's just that kind of guy the guy is uh, he's all business he's all ball he loves it uh, he works really hard at it and um, he's, been, he's been playing well I mean he's already playing really well so to say that he's going to keep getting better is quite a statement and that's a good thing
2: yeah, so far, so good, Sarah, for a guy who, man, we all remember all the criticism and speculation and controversy about Tyler that he had to f- uh, face throughout the draft process about the length of his arms. Should the Ravens actually spend that kind of first round draft capital on a center? And it sure looks like it's paying off so far. And, you know, while we're on the topic of the offensive line, another interesting storyline is the fact that Ronnie Stanley during not podium availability, but actually during locker room availability in, in a scrum with reporters said that he's good to go. He's expecting to play and start on Thursday night, despite not practicing this week. So that could just be a short week kind of thing with the way that they're easing him back into every week play and, and the grind that is an NFL season, given what he's coming back from. But uh, that's certainly encouraging, given what's happened in the last week or so with him
1: yeah i mean that's that is very encouraging he's been uh, looks and he took his time everybody was waiting for him to come but the fact that he's returned and he's playing as well as he has and now it's just it's just nice to see this upward trajectory where he just keeps increasing his snaps and if he can pull this off with like back to back games sunday to thursday uh, and still play well, then then that just like solidifies the confidence in his ankle. Now, other guys that we've gonna be watching, um, Rashad Bateman, as we mentioned before, he originally wasn't on the the estimated injury report that came out Monday because that they're required to give three injury reports, but neither team really practiced. It was more of a walkthrough, so it was estimation. So they estimated that he wasn't on the injury report, but he did show up on Tuesday's injury report, um did not practice. Uh, To me, that's not surprising. I know going into that game, the Browns game, he was limited all week and was clearly on a limited amount of snaps. Uh, And so on a short week, uh, I can't imagine he would practice at all. I mean, uh, you know, like give the foot some rest on the short week and then. We'll see. We'll see. But to me, he's in question. And then the big question to me is whether Tyus Bowser will be out there. John Harbaugh was asked about that. And he just said, I don't know. That is Harbaugh's way of saying I'm not going to answer that because I don't want to give away uh, my hand to the Bucs. But I think there's a good chance that Tyus Bowser could be out there, not guaranteeing it. But I'm definitely watching to see if they activate him before that game.
2: Yeah, as am I, because it's now week two of that 21 day window since he returned to practice. So at some point they got to get him back out there. And we know that he is one of the premier outside linebackers and uh, in, in not just for this team, but really league wide. And he showed that last year before the torn Achilles. So that'll certainly be something to watch. And then in terms of revenge games we all like a good revenge game right and for the ravens <laughs> jason pierre paul the new addition certainly could be searching for one of those he spoke with reporters this week and mentioned look there's no bad blood it's his former team obviously he played with the giants as well but he spent a good chunk of his career in tampa bay won a super bowl uh, so he said basically hey there's no bad blood but he is ready to show his former team what they don't have currently on that defensive line, and uh, that kind of got me fired up thinking about the possibilities of what JPP could bring.
1: Oh my gosh, yes! Can we just let's let's just channel all of that? You show them JPP. You show them what they're missing. You you right. don't don't let them forget. So definitely want that. Uh, now I almost forgot we talked about Ryan Jensen, but Rashad Perriman is over on the Bucks right now. Now he's not doing much. I'm I'm looking at his stats right now. He has um, six catches this season, so we don't. Yeah. I don't it doesn't look like he'll be he'll be much of a factor, but that's just a blast from the past. Brashad Perriman over there catching from. Hold on, sir. Sir, let me just Tom say 80. this. <laughs> let, let,
2: let me just say this. If we're talking in like seventy two hours about a Brashad Perryman, all due respect to him, <laughs> but if we're talking about his revenge game on Friday or whenever <laughs> we're discussing this, uh, there's gonna be major, major issues, and I'm not sure the calculation's gonna come out to be a Ravens win.
1: No, and it's everybody will blame me because I just said, just like they got mad at me, I tweeted out that Lamar Jackson was like 12 and 0 against NFC teams. And I've been debating whether I should troll Ravens Twitter and quote retweet that last one because I can't tell you how many people came back and said, We'll never forget this era. And I'm like, Would this be a good time to remind us that D- Jam- Lamar Jackson is 12 and 1 against NFC teams going into Oof. this Thursday night game? That's for yeah. real. Um, yeah, that, that didn't go over well, so hopefully I didn't... <laughs> I, I don't believe in jinxes, but I know lots of other people do, so hopefully I didn't do a jinx by bringing up Paraman. So, yeah, so those are all the injury things. we got to wrap things up here, Bobby. Let's do one matchup to watch, and then we'll do predictions. What's a matchup you're going to be looking at?
2: Okay, yeah, Greg kind of got at it a little bit in his conversation, but look, you know, you could say if Tom Brady had one kryptonite in the game that is football... To me, it's like, OK, yeah, like every quarterback, every quarterback's kryptonite is pressure. But for Tom, being that he is very limited uh, mobility wise, interior pressure tends to affect him more so than it does the mobile quarterback. And this year, mm-hmm. the interior pressure that his offensive line has allowed has wreaked havoc and has him completely out of rhythm. I mean, this team is they're talking about. You you think that Greg Romans seat is hot right now? How about Leftwich down yeah. there, the offensive play caller in Tampa Bay, Sarah? I mean, it's night and day right now based on uh, the criticism that he's receiving down there in that market. So, uh, again, th- uh, to me, a huge matchup to watch is Baltimore's interior defensive line and the dogs that they have up front there going up against the guards and center for Tampa Bay. That could be where this game is, um, is decided.
1: I literally was going to name the same matchup. I mean, because they lost their left guard, uh, Marpit to, to retirement. They lost their right guard, Alex Kappa that he signed with the Bengals. And then as we know, Ryan Jensen was hurt. So like, Listen, it's the trenches. It's the trenches. Brady doesn't have the same targets he did last year with Antonio Brown leaving, (laughs) leaving, getting kicked off, um, and Gronkowski retiring, but he still has plenty of targets, you know, and so it is. It's like they're not getting a lot of sacks because Tom Brady gets rid of the ball so quickly, but I totally agree with that matchup. Um, But I will name one other one because we just want to be different, but I just want to continue. Mike Evans seems like the nicest guy. He seems really cool. Like based off of what uh, Greg Almond had to say about him. And then I watched an interview with him today talking about his exchange with the refs. Oh, by the way, update on that. The NFL concluded in their investigation that the referee was just getting his phone number because they went to the same college and he was setting him up with a golf pro. So, I love that. <laughs> it turns out, I it, love that. yeah, it turns out it was the autograph. And then Mike Evans, he was talking about it in the locker room. He's like, "Listen, we're all just human beings. I was just one human being talking to another one." So it was just a reminder to avoid even the appearance of impropriety. But turns out there was nothing going on there. So that that's cool. Uh, but anyway, I say all that because Mike Evans seems like a great guy, right? Seems like a great guy, and I hope he goes on to have a fruitful career. But I want the Ravens. He had a terrible drop last week. Wide open, touchdown, deep pass. And he even said it like took the life out of him and, and everybody could see it. Can we make sure that the life is taken out of him this week? Because he is Tom Brady's main guy. He's also got Chris Godwin. But Mike Evans is it. And so I'm going to need whoever's guarding him. I don't. I doubt the Ravens will, will um, have anybody trail him. Uh, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey were both at practice Thursday, full participants. So they probably won't travel with him. I need them and the safeties to just keep Mike Evans buried. He he took the life out of him. You ripped the soul from him. You snatch his soul. And then after the game, you can give it right back. And then he can have a rebound and have a great season. But I want to see Mike Evans completely taken out of this game and if, you, and if the interior of the defensive line keep putting pressure on Brady, that is a recipe for a win. All right, Bobby, I went first last week. Let's get into game predictions. Who are you picking and why? And what's the score?
2: So I know I said earlier on in the episode, Sarah, that I hoped for a non-clunker of a Thursday night game. I just think the Thursday night gods, the Amazon gods out there, it's just not in the cards this week. I think it's going to be another low scoring affair, another game where field goals and Justin Tucker uh, are absolutely necessary. And until I see this offense start to click, even though Gus Edwards is back, that's that's certainly encouraging I I'm just I don't have the confidence yet that this team can consistently put and hang 30 points especially on the road uh, in a hostile environment so I am gonna give the Ravens a victory here because of their ground game and because of what they discovered and rediscovered in Gus last week so I'll go Ravens in a weird scoring game I'll go 29 25 Ravens over the Buccaneers
1: yeah, well, I, I mean, we're definitely on the same page. I was very, very, very tempted. Let me just add one more: very uh, tempted to to pick the Bucks. And I just feel like I'm just having flashbacks of the Ravens on traveling down to Florida last year to Miami, and just how lethargic everybody looked. Um, uh, but I also look at the Bucks and look, and I mean, they're they feel like it feels like they're in a worse state than the Ravens and and that's the difference is exactly what you said i think that the ravens can have a very similar game plan which won't make people happy they want to see this light them up through the air kind of game plan but i see that i see on the road against another offense that just isn't lighting it up that just you know what? Let's just go with your bread and butter. It's a team that gave up 173 yards on the ground last week. This this Buccaneers defense gave up 173 to the Carolina Panthers after they traded Christian McCaffrey? Come on. How can you not try to go and exploit that? So to me, the Ravens are going to ride the legs of Gus Bus, Drake, Lamar, just Justice Hill, just hold on to the ball, all those guys. It just seems like the right thing to do. And so while it's tempting, I'm just so nervous that Tom Brady is going to find his mojo. So that's why. And there's so much pride in him. Uh, I hope that you are right, Bobby, that he's checked out, but I don't think he is. So I'm nervous that suddenly it's going to be this Ravens defense that gives them a spark. Um, But uh, in the end, I'm going with the Ravens 20-17. to
2: Needless to say, neither one of us are confident in these picks because, again, (laughs) the the Ravens just have not they have not instilled that kind of confidence in us as game predictors, if you will. So to me, it's a flip of the coin, right. but, uh, but I'm, I'm going with the Ravens based on what you cited as well. And and that is the fact that they found something. Re- they rediscovered something with Gus being back. He's looking as good as ever. And we know the Bucks' defense from, from a rushing standpoint um, and, and protection standpoint, it's, it's, it's just not there coming off of last week against Carolina. So, With that, I think we'll shut it down. This has been another game preview episode in the books. Week eight is on the horizon. Again, be on the lookout for our post-game live stream, our Instant Reaction episode, audio only. We'll have an on-camera one as well on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed yet, please consider doing so. And uh, partner, if you have anything else to add, then uh, go right ahead. But that's all for me in this preview episode.
1: That's it. That's it. Come back and watch this on Instant Reaction. Ugh. It's going to be one of those morning instant reactions. Uh, But, oh, you will not see any more morning volts this week. This one is going up Wednesday morning, uh, this preview, or even Tuesday night. And that will be the preview heading into the Thursday game. So uh, no more morning volts this week until uh, next Monday. So that'll do it for us, uh, Sarah Ellison and Bobby Trossett. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ravens Vault.